Section 17 of The Mystery of the Ocean Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ginger Cucolo. The Mystery of the Ocean Star by W. Clark Russell. Section 17 An Ocean Mystery. It had been a sort of brooding day since dawn, thick, heavy, oppressive, with a light breeze that was like steam for warmth and damp, and a very quiet surface of the ocean. Not so much as the head of a cloud had shown anywhere, yet the sky was as dingy as the atmospheric thickness could make it, with the sun in the midst of it like a red-hot warming-pan and a wake under him in the thick and sluggish water that might have passed for drippings of blazing oil slowly settling. At sundown, when the shadows entered this weather, it fell pitch dark. No man aboard the ship that lay motionless in the heart of it ever remembered a deeper blackness. There could have been nothing in the most stooping and lowering of electric storms to fling a more ebony complexion upon the deep than the night air now held. The wind, too, died out when the evening came down, and the vessel that had been slowly rippling through it all day was brought to a dead stand, with a scarce heave enough in her frame to put life into the up-and-down canvas. The ship was a few degrees south of the equator, an old-fashioned cargo vessel, outward bound to an Australian port, with a purple-faced old poplar man for a commander. The round-shanked chap, coming on deck after a brief spell below, in company with a bottle of whiskey, stood a minute or two in the companionway, staring blindly against the blackness. Then, after a little, groped over to the mate, one side of whose figure was just visible as he stood between the binnacle and the wheel, by the sheen of the light there touching it. "'Well, well,' he exclaimed, sniffing up at the air as though he would smell what he was unable to see. How is this to end now, d'ye think, Mr. Jones? Glass stands high, too. A man might marry a negress in this night and not know her for a side of bacon, let alone the color. God bless me, color. Why, you might make a hole in the darkness to lie down in. He took a view of the compass card, heard what the maid had to say on the subject of the weather, and, after smoking a pipe, repaired below for a second dram, telling the mate that he would take forty winks on one of the cabin lockers, and that he was to be at once called if there came a change, no matter what form it might take. The mate watched the crimson-faced old gentleman mix himself a second mate's nip. He was plain in view through the open skylight and then the worthy skipper stretched his fat figure along a locker, and his snoring presently arose into the darkness with a sound like to the rushing of water up and down a beach of shingle. The man at the wheel nodded. There was scarce a stir in the tiller chains, no twitch of the spokes to hint to the fellows to keep his head up. Forward in the blackness, the stillness was that of a coffin. In what corners the watch on deck had coiled their bodies away, no man could have imagined. The mate paced the deck slowly, often coming to a stand at the rail, lost in wonder at the phenomenal stillness out upon the black shadow of the ocean. There was something soul-subduing in a night of such darkness and stillness as this. It made one walk lightly, as though there was a listening spirit in the air to be vexed by the rude creak of a boot. It was a time to speak only in whispers, as you'd notice when at long intervals the mate addressed a fellow who was at the wheel sounding his inquiry but a little above his breath. 
this went on till about eleven o'clock ship ocean and sky blended yet into one impenetrable shadow charged with the mighty pulseness pause as though the night with sucked in breath hung motionless in expectation hark did you hear that cried the mate suddenly whipping out shrill with the amazement that was in him ay sir answered the man at the helm in a broad awakened voice there it is again it was a sound of laughter out on the water off the starboard bow whether human or not was scarcely to be guessed the blackness and then the great ocean solitude out of which it rang would have put a wild unearthliness into it even had it been melodious as a girl's laugh but there was an edge in it that owed nothing to the mystery of the night an indescribable animal-like harshness a semblance of human merriment shocking by reason of its mirthlessness and a note running through it as of the mixed crying of the jackal and the hyena smite me if it didn't sound like some swimming baboon a-hailing at us cried the helmsman swimming baboon in your eye answered the mate some drowned man's ghost more like fooling around maybe in hope of being laid by a drink the laugh again sounded a sort of unearthly carousing ballooing like the meaningless bawling of some drunken rascal staggering home in the small hours what the deuce is it said the mate ain't that a winkin' of fire out there where the noise is sir said the helmsman the mate peered ay sure enough said he what is it now it looks like the sheen of phosphorus to the dipping of an oar listen they both bent their ears the long demoniacal blood-chilling laugh came floating off the water to the ship and then a man cried out suddenly in the blackness forward there's some one hailing of us the mate put his head into the skylight and sang out to the skipper who rolled off the locker and came on deck by this time the watch disturbed in their nap had uncoiled themselves and were at the rail every man was visible to his fellow close together as the sailors hung but the darkness did not hinder them from speaking and their voices rose in a sort of grumble hoarse with wonder not unmixed with apprehension what is it mr jones asked the captain there's some one out on the water yonder laughing answered the mate listen sir now you have it it could scarcely be any longer doubted that the sounds were uttered by a human being it was a man's lunatic laughter a senseless howling counterfeit of mirth and this time it was followed on by an articulate cry though the fellow was too far off to be intelligible why yes sure enough cried the captain there's some one out there but what the deuce is he finding to laugh at and what's his craft he raised his voice anybody make out what that chap yonder's afloat in he's heading for us exclaimed one of the men his voice was growled as clear again since first heard it'll be a boat i allow exclaimed another man fancy i heard the grind of an oar in the old pills just now and there's a flash of water at times for some minutes there was a dead stillness while the mate taking the lamp out of the binnacle held it steady over the rail indeed it looked as though the sight of the lamp had silenced the fellow there was nothing to be seen stare as the men might they could witness nothing distinguishable in the ink-like void into which their gaze sank blindly same the occasional sparkling of fiery water to what was unquestionably the stealthy plying of an oar presently the old skipper roared out boat ahoy what boat's that his voice was echoed in the motionless hidden canvas on high but no answer was returned from the sea there was another interval of dead stillness with a faint sound now and again which suggested that the boat was being very softly and sneakingly sculled 
Certainly the scintillation of the oar had vanished, and there was nothing to intimate the existence of the boat, saving the sculling sound. "'Confoundedly wonderful, all this!' gasped the skipper in a voice of intense excitement, puffing and blowing with the heat and with the amazement he was full of. As he said this, a peal of mirthless laughter broke from the water, apparently within pistol shot of the ship's side. Ha, 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 show a light there. Ha, 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 I'm St. Anthony. Hurrah, boys, St. Anthony, in toe of a pig, by the living thunder. He's brought me a thousand leagues. Hurrah, hurrah, ha, 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 ha. The dreadful laugh died out. There's only one way of dealing with this, cried the mate. He dived into the cabin, was absent a minute, and then returned with a port fire, which exploded over the side. Out gushed the fountain of green flame, tinctering a broad area of the water with a frightful radiance, and flashing up within biscuit toss the shape of what was apparently a ship's quarter-boat, black, with a tall, seemingly half-naked figure of a man, erect on a midship thwart, with both hands held high, in the posture of one who leaps as he falls with a shot in his heart. It was a picture not to be expressed in writing. The wild coloring of the port fire made an unimaginable vision of it. And then again there was a sudden, ghastly brightening out of the wild sight from the black canvas in which it had lain buried. St. Anthony, I tell ye, men! St. Anthony! <laughs> cried the half-nude creature, flourishing his arms as if in ecstasy at the sight of the green spout of flame. Ho! Tis a good thing to be a saint, though. Alone, 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 alone! I'm the sovereign of the seas, and St. Anthony, too. Hurrah, boys! <laughs> the port fire went out, and the blackness rolled down again, dark upon the dazzle in the men's eyes. A mad sailor, sir, cried the mate. Some shipwrecked survivor with his brain gone. Great God, how horrible! Lord, if one could but see, exclaimed the captain, we must have him aboard, though. Aft here, some of you. Get a boat lowered and secure that poor fellow. Ha, 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 sounded out of the darkness. I'm monarch of the night, I tell ye. I'm St. Anthony, too, my livelies. Hurrah, nor nor'west. That's the course, boys. <laughs> and the flash of water, accompanied by a grinding sound, intimated that the unhappy creature was sculling away from the ship. The sailors came tumbling aft, and, despite the blackness, in a few minutes a boat was in the water with four men in her, and the chief mate in the stern sheets groping to hang the rudder. Shove off! Give way! At the same moment a large globular lantern was run aloft by the signal halyards to the mizen peak, and other lights held along the ship's side. The moment the water was flashed up by the four oars of the men, the madman, if such, indeed he were, broke into a long mocking laugh, and then fell silent whilst he gulled with might and main. His fifty-fathom start would give him but a poor chance against four men. The boat swept up to him rapidly, guided by the sparkling of the water about his oar, but on a sudden this brilliance vanished. They could hear the oar flung furiously down, followed by a derisive yell that came to the pursuer's ears with the shock and fear of a shriek of anguish, and by the splash of the fellow's body as he flung himself overboard. Vast rowing! The boat floated to the other, the five men holding their breath, whilst they sent their glances over the black profound in search of a single scintillation to indicate the whereabouts of the man drowning or swimming, but no break of light was anywhere visible. They softly rowed here and there, and then, catching hold of the boat, they towed her to the ship's side, and made her fast for examination by daybreak. 
by the morning's light the captain and mate examined her and found her an ordinary ship's boat with the name martha williams painted in small black letters on her stern a scotch cap a sailor's shirt and jacket a belt and sheath night were found in her also an empty breaker dry and resonant with the heat and the half of a ship's biscuit mouldy and vermin-eaten it was afterwards ascertained that the martha williams was a missing ship and supposed to have foundered on a voyage to the thames from callao end of section seventeen recording by ginger kukulow